Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the Sarver Got Paid Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. All right, so obviously you want to open with the Pahonic Suns. Sarver got paid. I mean, this is the one thing you know at the start. And are we playing that audio, by the way? Are we telling Matt Whitehurst to put it in there? I think we should play the audio. Um, All right. I mean, I'm the one asking. I mean, do I want to boast, brag, (laughs) make myself look smart? You tell me. Let's give credit where credit is due. When the Phoenix Suns first hit the market a few months ago, you and I on the show discussed how much we thought the team would sell for. You said, and we'll, we'll, we'll play the audio right here, and then we'll discuss it. I, I'm going to say it's going to go over $3 billion. Whoa, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll say I over like three. That. And by the way, I wouldn't even say you're crazy if you told me four. And I'll tell you why. Wow. I'll tell you why. And I think I've told this story before. We, Kurt values this club at 1.9. Yes, and Kurt's as yep. good as they get. But again, you have this exuberance. Nobody was expecting this team to be on the market. And you can hear my surprise there, Scott, when you said $3 billion, let alone when, when you said the $4 billion. But it turns out you were absolutely right. A lot of people here in the industry shocked by this number. I take it that you were not. I'm not shocked. And for the, the same reasons that I, a big word alert, delineated uh, when we discussed it. And there's always, it's the NBA one. One, it's the NBA. And I know that Adam Silver has a runway full of people who have for some years said they want entry into this club. you know, And they just don't often make more. Like Obviously, there are some people on the sidelines waiting for the Las Vegas expansion team. And that's going to be a huge expansion fee. Uh, and now I'll say getting huger or hugerer. So that, that's one thing. There's a runway. Two, there are still people for whom this is not just a does it pencil out on paper purchase? There, it, it's it's heart over mind. They really badly want an emotional tie to the club and the NBA, and they're willing to pay whatever it'll take. And I get the sense that's what we have here with Matt Ishbia, where he's been trying for several years. He's looked at NFL and, and NBA. He's been kicking tires on a bunch of things. And my guess is that he went to Bob Sarver and said, what do I need to do to end this now? What's the number to end this thing now? No more back and forth, because I know you have a pretty good inkling where the other bids came in. I do, and and, and I don't know exactly how many bidders there were. There was a lot of mystery around this process, but there is a a bid group that I'm aware of that was in the the mid-twos 
There is a bid group that the Wall Street Journal wrote about, Jack Selby, Peter Thiel's money guy. He was right around $3 billion from what I understand. Uh, there's a chance that Ishbia was $800, $900 million, maybe a billion dollars higher than everybody else who was bidding here. Just just goes to show, again, you're right. I think there's we see this a lot in sports. That there are acquisitions that happen where you, you can't really justify them pen and paper. This definitely feels like one of them. Just one more number I'll throw at you, Scott. When Dial Home Court, the private equity fund, bought into this team 18 months ago, they did it at a $1.55 billion valuation. So if you go on, and sure, there's a, there's a premium for, for control stake, but the valuation almost tripled. In 18 months? So we have um, some champagne popping crazy. over at 6th Street at, at uh, Arctos. Yeah, the, we well, have a little popping of the, of the Dom. Yeah, so we can discuss that because it's it certainly, if, if you have already invested in, certainly in the NBA, small stakes, I imagine every valuation just got a little bit bigger. If your business model like Arctos and, and like Dial Home Court is to continue to do these deals, I think you could make an argument that it also just got harder, right? So, so in some ways, I think this is this is celebrated for anybody who owns either a controlling stake or a minority stake in an NBA team, and probably an, anyone who owns a stake of any team, professional sports team in the U.S. This is a, this is a good deal. It also, I think, makes makes them all more expensive next time someone wants to buy one. So, if we're giving out grades, and I'll just use words instead of grades, great deal. I think we're going to sign the great deal for Robert Sarver, right? I mean, forced to sell the team in essence because of, okay. Yeah. So great deal for Robert Sarver. Good Which deal is, for Matt Ishbia? Because we said, by the way, he, he got 50 something. He's not like he's cutting a check for $4 billion. Correct. The valuation of the team is $4 billion. He's getting about 50%, a little over that's 50%. A, a distinction so that's lost on a lot dollars. of people. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think people so realize they think he's getting the whole team. Right. Yeah, he's, he's buying about half the team for a little over $2 billion. Um, yeah, yeah, great deal for, for Sarver. He, Robert Sarver bought this team for $400 million and is selling it at a, at a $4 billion valuation, right? So he's 10Xing his money, essentially. Um, a, a good deal for Ishbi, I think, remains to be seen. It, it's his money. Look, he can do whatever he wants with it. He obviously wants to own an NBA team, so... Mission accomplished. He, he did the thing that he wanted to do. Um, we, we said Balmer was crazy when he bought the, the Clippers for $2 I billion. I never said that. See, I Other never said Balmer was said, crazy. I probably said that. Um, looks like a pretty darn good deal now, right? The the the, the, the Bucks, the, the Hawks, those two teams sold for both less than a billion dollars. People thought those owners were crazy. They look great as well right now. If things continue the way they're going... I wouldn't be shocked if in two or three years we look back at Ishbia's son's price and say, yeah, in retrospect, seems like a pretty good deal. But right, should, we, should we look forward a little bit? Because you know, well, Ishbia's in the mortgage business. One last thing I will say oh, on that. Yep, if, if in any kind of business transaction, if, if you are 33% higher than the next closest bidder, I think you can make an argument that it's a bad deal, right? <laughs> that it doesn't seem clear that it, Matt Ishbia had to pay $4 billion to get the Suns. If everybody else was as low as we believe they were in bidding, I think you can make an argument that 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 maybe he messed up. Once maybe again, if I think Ishbia was the only one with his heart. Negotiates Ishbier, it up. Yeah. Ishbia yeah. was the only one who brought his heart. The others bring their heads and back of napkins and, and see if it if it really pencils out. Now, totally. I, I, I will also fess up. One of the reasons I thought this would go perhaps with a four, not surprised, is that I really did think that Lorene Powell Jobs was going to be involved in hmm. the bidding. Yep. And you know we had found out pretty early on that she did not submit a first round bid. So I was like, hmm, will that suppress enough? Depends who else shows up. Um, we thought Bruce Karsh was going to make a bid, Bruce Karsh at Oak Tree, along with Bob Iger. And once Bob Iger went back to Disney, you knew, you know, Karsh told us, nope, not making a bid. I'm, I'm, I'm out. 
okay, still, how many other people will show up? As you, as we say, you only need two. It's wonderful to have three or four, but you only need two because one side really is never sure what the other is doing. You know, my guess would be this is now my my educated guess in this business. The other bidders were told I have a bid for four, and they laughed and said, well, "You got it. You know, you're out of your mind." Then I told Molus, "There's no way." You know, I'm not raising my bid. No, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Okay, fine. We're done. <laughs> and that was it. That's why it got done so quickly. I think uh, A for Molus also, if we're, if we're giving, if we're, yeah, if good we're job, giving out grades, get this, get this thing done before January, which I also think seemed like a long shot uh, until recently, and get a, get a price that starts with a four. I think that's a, that, that's a big win for, for Molus as well. And that's a group we mentioned before. It doesn't do a lot of these team transaction deals, but, but maybe having a big, a big profile one like this actually, uh, actually changes that Scott, the Matt Ishbia is according to Bloomberg worth five and a half billion dollars. Unclear how much of that is, is cash. I'm really curious to see how he finances this deal. Is he, is he giving $2 billion in cash over to do it? Is he, is there some kind of a, a timeline for it? Uh, is he taking on debt? I, I'm very curious to see how how he comes up with the money to get this deal done. Uh, I do not know, but I can say looking forward, one of the fun things we can anticipate here is a mortgage battle, because you know Ishbia, Michigan State play you know was always, you know played on the whatever year championship team. Do you know 2000? I think or 99. Yeah, Mateen Cleaves. I think he hired yeah. Mateen Cleaves at the mortgage company, by the huh. way. So you know takes care of his guys. That that's nice. Um, but he and Dan Gilbert, of course, of Rocket, do not get along. And now they can battle it out. Also on the basketball court, Gilbert, of course, owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, prominent, uh, prominent in Detroit as well. Owns a lot of real estate there. So got a good head-to-head battle coming up between Gilbert and Ishbia. I, I can't wait to see the Cavs of the Suns and see how that goes. But should be should be a fun battle between those two guys for years to come. Does this change your thinking about all these other teams that are on the market? Do, do you think that the Senators, the Nationals, the Commanders sell for more? Because of the, the, this high price that we just saw for the Suns, no. Uh, again, Commanders. I'm I'm thoroughly convinced it's just going to be Bezos and you know whatever. If it starts with seven, great, that'll get done. Mm. Uh, there'll be good enough interest in the Angels to you know get what we thought it would be. Uh, I don't know if it'd be the most robust, but there'll be a good auction. And as we've talked about before, uh, everybody in the world is showing up for the Ottawa Senators. You want you want hockey in Canada and. You know, you got Ryan Reynolds kind of hanging around the the rim, waiting to see who falls through and oh, says, "Hey, hi, my name metaphor. is Ryan. I'd like to join your group, and <laughs> yeah. I have I have some social following, and I think I can do some creative things and and make you a better brand and make uh, make you a global brand. And w- would you like to have me in your group? Because I'd like to I'd like to join and have some fun. One other thing we can say on Ishbia, he is going to be, I think, by a, a fairly wide margin, the youngest owner in the NBA. I think this is always a, a good thing. The NBA, I think, has really benefited from having a, a newer generation of owners over the past decade, and Ishbia takes that to to an extreme. But the more diverse, and and, and whether you want that to be wait, forty two is the extreme. I mean, maybe to you, at he's the youngest owner saying, in basketball. I know, yeah. Well, but it's not like he's you know he's not like he's twenty five. No, I don't mean in the grand scheme it's extreme. I mean for big time multi billion dollar U.S. team ownership, yeah, it's really extreme. He's the he's the youngest guy out there. 
Um, I think that's a good thing for the NBA. I think that the, again, the league has benefited from that in the past. We'll continue to benefit from having new voices. Again, this is using diversity in, in tight constraints here because we're talking about billionaires here. But um, I, I do think the league will benefit from having somebody who is not 81 owning uh, <laughs> owning yet another team in the league. Look at the stools, right? Look at the stool. Or you could have a, a three-legged stool, a four-legged stool, whatever you want. But we know what the ancillary properties and businesses are that are often associated with these franchises. We have the media, we have finance, we have real estate. Certainly, the guy who runs the mortgage business can help you with some of the real estate transactions that, uh, surely, I'm waiting to see what else. We always talk about who wants turnkey, right? So what I'm not really aware of what else there is. They have an arena. Uh, what's the other ancillary stuff? What are we looking at associated with the Suns? And by the way, also the Phoenix Mercury. We, we should see what are the ancillary businesses that, uh, that the opportunities are there right now for Ishbia. I'm not sure what they are. Um, I just know they have, they have an arena. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a downtown building. It's old, but it was just it, renovated. Yeah, I think. just renovated. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where you could immediately sort of look to open a spigot. If I'm a Suns fan, Scott, I am hoping that Matt Ishbia spends like Steve Cohen has spent in his two years. Are you transitioning? The, I am transitioning. Is it too early? No, no, no. I, Great. I, I, Let's transition. I, right, no, no. If you want to put the NFL and YouTube on hold, that's fine <laughs> by me. Putting it on hold. But, uh, all right. All right. Steve, you talking to, from one billionaire to the next. Hey, from fine. one billionaire to the next. Uh, it is pretty remarkable what, what Steve Cohen has done spending-wise in two years. The, the latest news, Carlos Correa signed a 12-year, $315 million deal with the Mets. A shocker, he had already agreed to a deal slightly bigger with the Giants, but there were some concerns with his physical. And then overnight on Tuesday night, everything changed and blew up. He joins a Mets team that has spent, uh, according to our numbers, 806 committed $806 million this offseason. Nothing. N- numbers we've never seen before in Major League Baseball. I can just picture this. All right, so picture this. Mets fans in Corona, right? Astoria, flushing. They fell asleep on the couch watching a Law and Order rerun. They wake up to either bars in tone or the national anthem playing with you know the flag waving. I'm going old school on TV here. They got a little bit of drool coming out of the side of their mouth, but they're awake enough to check their phone. Before they go back to, or you know, walk upstairs, go to the bedroom, and go to sleep, and they see sort of like breaking news: Carlos Correa, who they pretty much thought was already going to the San Francisco Giants, because you know everybody on WFAN had told them that. That no, there's been a switch, and Correa now belongs to the New York Mets on top <laughs> of everybody else that they've already signed. Um, you know, all of a sudden, like when they lost to Grom, I said to myself. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, can the Mets recover? Like, this is a pretty important thing. I don't think anybody's giving a second thought at losing the best pitcher in baseball right now. You know, but Stevie said we needed a bat and we got one. Now, now we're positioned to do what we need to do. So, some numbers here that, that put this in perspective. Prior to this year, the largest luxury tax bill in Major League Baseball history was $46 million. It was the Dodgers four or five years ago. The, the Mets next year are looking at a $113 million luxury tax bill, $70 million more than the previous record. So and, let me ask you this. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. You're an owner of a team. And I know, listen, Stevie, you grew up rooting for the Mets on Long Island, rooting for the Mets. Okay. I got it. As a business person, though, 
and, and I know the first one, I know the answer, I do. Are you content if you win the championship, you win the World Series or the other, you win the NBA, whatever it is, but you're losing boatloads of money? Or does it mean more if you can actually break even or turn a profit and also win the champion? Do you care that you just shot through the stratosphere paying ungodly luxury tax? It's going to be named after you, whatever, <laughs> but you win. See, now, the answer to me is Stevie doesn't give a rat's patootie. 100%. He wants on that float coming up Broadway, Canyon of Heroes, two fingers up, waving to the crowd. You know, let's go Mets. Um but I, you know, I, there's got to be a little bit. There has to be because Steve measures wins and losses for his entire career on outmaneuvering everybody else and having better returns, making more money, decimal point in the right place. Does he carry? Is there a little part of Stevie, the you know, you know the, the 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 hedge fund guy? Not the fan, not just the straight up owner. Stevie, the little part hedge fund guy that says, hmm, I wonder if I have what it takes to win in a hard salary cap world. Yeah, just wondering, gonna, throwing I, it out there. I was going to say, if he feels that way, he bought uh, the wrong franchise in, in, in the wrong league. <laughs> yeah, but by the Broncos. And maybe after he wins and, the, you know, wins the, the championship with the Mets, he'll turn his attention to the it, NFL. It, exactly. He's the richest owner in Major League Baseball by, by quite some margin, and he is definitely showing it. I, yeah, I think the answer is no. And, and this, this baseball is increasingly starting to look like uh, like English soccer, right? The I mentioned that number six hundred eight hundred and six million dollars the Mets have committed this offseason to free agent or, or to new signees. The bottom twenty two teams in the league have committed five hundred or seven hundred and fifty three. So the Mets alone outspending the bottom twenty two teams in Major League Baseball this offseason. Uh, those are numbers that we talk about with Man City and Nottingham Forest. It is the, the just the, the spending discrepancy is so large right now. And, and and the Yankees did this for a very long time. The Dodgers took it to even more stark relief in the past decade. But at least early returns on the Steve Cohen era makes it seem like the, the Mets are going to even do a step above the Dodgers when it comes to spending. Do you remember when the Tiger attacked either Siegfried or Roy? I believe it was Roy. Okay, attacked Roy. Okay. Well, 50, do you remember what shot. Chris Rock said? You know, like, oh my God, the tiger attacked. <laughs> tiger went tiger. Roy. Tiger <laughs> went tiger, right? Yeah. Okay. So the tiger did what a tiger does. If you are another Major League Baseball owner, I don't want to hear one off the record, quiet, nothing. I don't want to hear a complaint that what Stevie Cohen is doing is bad for baseball. This isn't fair. Now we need more of a tax at the high end. You knew the Tiger was coming. You had to know that Steve Cohen was going to spend, I don't want to say whatever it took, but close to whatever it took to win a World Series with the New York Mets. You can't say you didn't know, you didn't have an inkling. This is what everybody was talking about, that if we let him in the club, is he going to spend like crazy? So the answer was yes then, and you kind of knew it. So don't be surprised that Tiger is going to Tiger, because that's where he is right now. I was going to say that I remember when when Steve was in the running to buy the Mets before yeah. he did, this was the conversation. It was, yes. if, we, if we let him in, are we just suddenly adding a team that is going to outspend all of us to a degree that we've never seen before? And again, early returns seem like th that may be the end result. Can, can I can I ask a question here? I, I'm sorry, Mets fans, cover your ears. What is it, earmuffs? Like earmuffs, earmuffs. <laughs> yeah. What, what if they don't win? Mm. Like I mean, you're, you're, these, these contracts are long-term and what if it doesn't work? 
The, uh, so uh, the Dodgers obviously have not won every World Series no, but they in the did past get a World five series. years, they but they did got, get a World Series. And yes. they they went to the World Series a whole bunch yes. and got yes. very close. You can a point whole to bunch. your fans and say, I gave your World Series. And, and it seems like that, I think that may be the, because again, because of the discrepancy here, that may be the, the, the long term, the future here for the Mets is that you may not always win, but you're going to get to a whole lot of an LCS and a whole lot of World Series uh, to at least be competitive in them. All right. Well, if the Mets do win the World Series, you're going to see a whole lot of highlights on YouTube. Very difficult transition, but I made it anyway. (laughs) So it looks like the NFL and Sunday ticket are are headed to YouTube. Apple was the perceived favorite. It looked that way. But let me tell you again why I am not at all surprised. And it's because of the focus group of one. Hmm. You know, my dude sits down on the couch gets the remote, and goes right to YouTube TV. And whether it's like highlights of the family guy, yeah, I'm a terrible dad, I let him watch it, we all laugh together. Or whether it's sports highlights, or whether it's whatever, he loves YouTube TV. The two platforms that I would point to for for his friends and him are YouTube and Snapchat. Hmm. Those are the platforms that, for me, that gets the buy rating because I know all the kids are there. It's hard to tell if this if if the NFL does do this deal with 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 YouTube and with Google Google, Google, owns, Google YouTube. owns YouTube. Yeah. How much of this is the the pricing they offer and how good the how popular the service is with kids, or really how much of it really is about who walked away? The ESPN looked at this for a while. Economics didn't make sense. You're right. Apple seemed like it was the 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 the, the shoe in here, and then they walked away also because the well, economics they took the didn't, show to didn't make sense. Yeah. Took the halftime show to promote the music. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, I think there's a way to look at this where this is just what what was left. Process right? of it elimination. Seemed like right? it was Amazon and and YouTube, and uh, really interesting to see how the economics of this work out. It, it's it's very different than the way we think about traditional. This package is very different than the way we think about traditional TV, where you're getting paid for people that want to watch the things, and you also getting paid for advertisers that want to advertise on the thing. The dual revenue model. That's not really the way this package works. This Sunday ticket package is is out. Out of uh, out of market games where you're essentially showing almost all of the ads that Fox and CBS have gotten for those games uh, for the regular TV. So it's yeah, let's not just explain it for people who don't really know the product. Let's just yeah. explain. It. It's, yeah, go if ahead. you're a, if let's say I am a fan of the New York Jets and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, obviously my CBS affiliate there will not be showing New York Jets games. You can watch out of market teams and get them all so that all the out of market teams and games are available to you. So, so for this package again, because you're not really selling advertising, it really just comes down to where you price it and how many subscribers are, are willing to pay for it. Direct TV. It seems like at the end of having Sunday ticket, uh, was around one and a half to 2 million subscribers. Scott, you can do the math. If, if, if Google is paying two and a half billion dollars a year for this service to break even on that at, uh, let's just say if you want to, if you have 2 million subscribers to break even on that, you need to price this at like a thousand dollars, which they're well, obviously not going to do. You, you know, you know, our guy, our boy sports TV ratings on Twitter. Yes. Oh, I like thought this did, was a great tweet. Yeah. Yeah. He did a great tweet. So at a hundred bucks a season, it's 25 million people needed 200 bucks, 12 and a half, 300, 300 a season, 8.3, 400 a season, 6.25 million at 500 bucks a season. You need 500 uh, 5 million people to sign up. And 5 million people is more than double what DirecTV has right now, yeah, right? right? So even at $500 a year, which I think is is more than the NFL will charge, 
YouTube needs more than double the DirecTV audience Essentially, and this is crude math, obviously, because there's a few other ancillary business streams. But there's yeah, but you also th- get like that a, is a billion dollars in straight up, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. The, the the economics here are, are really fascinating, and again, we're we're gonna see where they price this. The NFL has a has a vested interest in in not cannibalizing what they're doing with CBS and Fox because those companies pay way more than than Google is gonna pay uh, for, for for the right to do this, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting deal, and, and we'll find out more about it if and when the details get finalized. You know, I'm interested in that. We, we've seen sort of seen an acceleration. Back in the day, the CEO of DirecTV was like, I think, was oh, you know, I'm not really sure we can afford to keep this. The math has to make sense for shareholders, and we've heard that now from David Zaslav. We've heard that from Bob Chapek. It, it all has to make sense. Yeah, and, and the prices are just going. Do you think that this is a bigger in in the gradual or maybe not so gradual push from traditional media to digital streaming media? Is this a bigger deal than Amazon getting exclusive Thursday night games? I think that it maybe it is. Let me think. Is this see why couldn't you have like briefed me like outside you might ask this question? <laughs> I, now I'm, I'm I see our counter going on our timer. I'm like, how many seconds do I have to actually think about this? Because this is now strictly you getting the game on Thursday night football, but it's exclusive. I like the exclusivity there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do without Thursday night football. Let me say that. Okay. It's like an add on, not always the best game, but I can do without Thursday night football. This is Sunday, the main games. I want to follow smaller my team. numbers than what Sm- Amazon's pulling numbers. on an average yes, so Thursday night for sure. I am, I am rounding third into a, <laughs> yes, I'm going to agree with you on that one, that it is, but I also want to see, I want my red zone. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, that's maybe all I need. DTV could just get me red zone, you, you know, and that's all I need. I don't need people to really watch the full games. I don't, do I need this? Do I need this package if I could just watch red zone? I, it, it will at some point, probably later in the year, get into our kind of year end wrap, all, all the big stories that happened in oh, 2022. I'm so confused. I don't know what, what happened in 22, what <laughs> happened in 99. I, this is so confusing. To me. One of those things will certainly be the the impact that the exclusive Thursday night game has had on, on the sports media landscape. And I think if we have this show in, in 12 months, I think we'll be talking about for good or for bad what the streaming-only Sunday ticket package, what that looked like as well. You know what this is going to speed up, though? This will accelerate a solution to the latency problem in streaming. Hmm. Because sports betting, obviously, is a considerable part of the future. It's a huge issue. Yeah. And, and you cannot have the latency that we have now. If there's going to be any sort of co- you know, coinciding screens of sports betting and game, you know, you got you got to be live. Yeah. It, you'll, you'll laugh at this. The... Um, when the World Cup used to be on ESPN, I remember streaming a lot of these things. And I was so frustrated by the lag because I would hear people in the apartments around me cheering goals before I saw oh, them. And that's it was the worst. so frustrating. And then this year I wasn't I, I, I didn't get the I wasn't getting spoilers from from around the neighborhood. And I was trying to figure out why that was. I was like, maybe with the lag is better because it's more recent or at one point, I thought it was because I would close the the. It was winter this time for the World Cup, right? So I'd close my windows, and maybe I just wasn't hearing everything else. And then I realized that because most of the games were on Fox proper, I was just getting them through like the bunny ear satellite that I have taped to my window. So it was I wasn't even streaming most of the games that I was watching. But for a while, I was trying to figure it out. And to your point, yeah, it was it was so frustrating to to, to be in a, a position where I was forty five seconds behind people who were making noise outside my window 
about the exact games. That I thought it was because you relocated from your hovel to the 35th floor penthouse, <laughs> 3,000 square foot duplex. Oh, that, that, that also South. is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. don't Better forget, reception you have a lot more room. Better reception row. and a lot more yeah. room. <laughs> All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnik on the Twitter at Soshnik. Uh, our producer is Matt Whitehurst. We already talked about him. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sporticus, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.